Mark Thomas, consultant, coach, trainer and speaker on governance, risk and compliance, joins us to talk about developing strategic plans for environmental, social and governance responsibilities, ESG for short. We talk about developing ESG guidance whilst integrating ESG into organisations and look at how it fits into the trends towards leaner and more resilient management. Building on some established best practice, Mark talks about the importance of the Goals Cascade. Many organisations use the Goals Cascade to ensure everybody is aligned to the strategic objectives through their personal targets. We look at how we can balance those goals and objectives so that ESG becomes integrated in the way we work and isn't seen as an add-on, another overhead to the organisation. Mark touches on why culture is key and sums up ethical governance. We shouldn't be focusing on checking the box. We should be focusing on doing the right thing for the right reason throughout the supply chain. Welcome to this episode of Implementing Best Practice in Business. We're here to help you and your organization understand and implement global best practice to help you face the business challenges of today. Join me, Richard Farrow, CEO of APMG International, in talking to leaders and practitioners who have applied these frameworks and practices to boost their productivity. They're here, willing to share their knowledge and experience to help you learn from them so you can do the same to make you more competitive in today's market. My guest today is Mark Thomas. Mark started his career in the US Army and then worked for a range of private sector companies and consultancies before setting up on his own 15 years ago. He's forged an enviable reputation as a consultant, trainer and speaker working in compliance and governance around the world. He's passionate about helping organisations find practical solutions to their challenges in governance, risk and compliance and is now developing some guidance on ESG, environmental, social and governance. Welcome, Mark. Thanks, Richard. It's good to be here. So, how is your um, how is your trip to the UK? It's uh, it's it, you know, it's nice to travel internationally. It's been a couple of years since I've done it, but I can tell you, we were chatting about this earlier that um, driving in London stresses me out for a couple of reasons. Uh, I'm driving on the opposite side of the road, um, and on top of that, there there are so many th- rules and regulations that Americans don't know about that you have in London. <laughs> but it's nice to be outside of the city uh, up here in High Wycombe with you. Excellent. So. ESG is a huge topic, you know, but people have been working on corporate social responsibility programs and corporate governance programs for years. Mm-hmm. What is the difference? What's the difference about ESG to what's gone before? So, so I think one of the big things is ES and G to kind of give a background on this is they, they've all been handled as separate parts in the past. You've had the environmental side, you've had the social side, and then you've, you've got this thing on the other end called governance, which is supposed to be this umbrella over that. But I think we're starting to see ESG now um, be more powerful than the sum of these individual parts. Um, now, back in uh, recently, we had the UN created uh, what was called their uh, 17 Sustainable yep. Development Goals. Yep. And I believe that was a huge, huge piece for us in, in the ESG market because it really gained a lot of visibility into looking at this uh, as a whole, where environmental being things like as an organization. Uh, am I thinking about uh, am I thinking about um, the waste that we're producing? Am I thinking? about sustainability from the social side are we thinking about 
internal and external being internal being more like my diversity uh, inclusion external being you know am i a steward to the community in which which i operate and so now we're seeing this these kind of combined uh, and, and so i believe that's why we're seeing an increased awareness here uh, because again the sum of its parts we're seeing more organizations um, and 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 countries now looking at this and i think it had a lot to do with the with the sustainable development goals yeah but what does it really mean for organizations? You know, won't ESG sort of flow through all parts of the organization? You know, is it going to be something similar to the recent movement in industrial companies about safety first? Is it something that everybody in the organization has got to get behind mm-hmm. and it's going to affect? Or is it? Mm-hmm. a C-suite endeavor. Uh, it, it, we've seen this with a lot of what people call trends and fads lately, uh, especially over the last uh, probably two decades. Uh, but I'll, I'll tell you this. My observation is this, is uh, like continual improvement. We say it's everybody's job. Well, in an organization, if something is everyone's job, nobody's doing it. And, and so I, I truly believe there needs to be a nucleus or an effort that that really has visibility of, of these pieces that are taking place across an organization with, with, with respect to ES&G. But there, there are a couple of approaches, and a lot of it depends on the structures and the culture of the organization. One of those um, is, is, the, is, the, is the camp that says, we need to have another committee. We did have an ESG committee, and they need to focus on that, and they need to push ESG down the ranks. Uh, and there, the other camp, which I tend to agree with a little bit more, this is we do need to have a nucleus, right? Some some group or some individual or or process that that evaluates, directs, and monitors our efforts, but it should be ingrained into every part uh, of work. And, and that starts at the board of directors or whatever the equivalent is of an organization, especially small to medium-sized enterprises. That's typically your ownership, right? Um, but but if we can ingrain that down into the tasks and activities of the workforce so that you know my goals, right, my individual goals are linked somehow, there's a portion of that that might be linked to my ability to support our mm. ESG goals in the organization. So I do see that as, 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 as really being part of the fabric of an organization rather than having another committee. <laughs> we get committed out, you know, it's, yeah, that's our solution to everything. When, when people, when, when we, when people think governance, they think this is just committees. Well, again, governance has to be through the whole organization. So Mark, you, you know, your whole last 15 years in private practice, when you've been advising organizations around the world, your main focus has been on governance and particularly advising C-suites on what they should do about um, operational governance, IT governance. So where was your road to Damascus <laughs> to, to, to look at environmental <laughs> and social elements and, and think, actually, <laughs> yeah. I can make a difference. Mm-hmm. I can make a difference by helping organizations look mm-hmm. at this wider view. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was the... What was the trigger? Mm-hmm. What what got you into this it's, game? This this hasn't been long ago. It's it's actually been during the since the coronavirus started. Um, so you know that I grew up on the IT governance side and and, and around a lot of more technically for, uh, focused uh, frameworks. Well, I advised several boards as an external advisor from an IT governance perspective, um, and and I was I was part of a board meeting and I was asked directly by one of the committee chairs, Mark. What is this ESG thing, and, and what does it have to do with IT governance? And and it was interesting because it, it was completely out of the blue. Um, and so, of course, I can't answer that directly at the board. I said, let me let me get back to you on this because I, I think there's something here. So when I started doing research on ESG, initially my my passion was 
what can we do from an IT governance or a IT systems to assist in that? And there was a lot of information out there about, you know, we have AI, we have data warehousing, we have a lot of new technologies that allow us to do this. That's how I moved into really more looking at ESG as, as a fundamental part of a governance structure and organization. Because in every one of these areas that I've seen, technology can help. Um, technology can help us from an environmental perspective. And in some cases, technology is uh, is creating waste in some cases, you know, cell phones being thrown away, right? That's creating some of the problems, but technology can also help us solve these problems. From a social side, really, it's really more uh, around, you know, understanding our the, the data collection and be able to analyze and understand the impacts of these. So that's that's how we got into the to the overarching ESG, ESG piece. Uh, and, and with two of the boards that I actually uh, advise now, I've actually moved from from being the external IT governance and cybersecurity advisor to, to the person to call when they have a question about environmental and social governance because they're trying to integrate this in uh, into their overarching system. So it's been a pretty interesting journey and it's gone quick. Is there a global standard? Is there something that I can pick up and say, this is what best practice looks like, or is that emerging? Yeah, not yet. It, it, so like we're, we're seeing this in, in small pockets. There are certain parts of the of the globe that are uh, a little more focused on it than, than others are. But there's not a single global standard out there that I'm aware of. Um, and I, and I want to be careful about saying standard. Um, there's you know best practice guidance, like mm-hmm. you said. Um, there are some things in the wor- works. Um, I, I actually am working with a colleague of mine, uh, working on uh, kind of really more of an architectural reference framework right now because what we're trying to do is is separate the idea that I'm using it for investment and and what we're trying to do is, is use put something together for organizations to say what is ESG and what can we be doing in this organization to do that so I think we're going to see a lot of them come up um, in the next one to three years uh, we're, like I said we're seeing a lot of smaller w- ones uh, pop out there um, but it, it wouldn't surprise me Richard if, if we didn't in in the next few years see some type of uh, uh, global initiative around compliance on this similar to what we might have seen with say GDPR it wouldn't surprise me if there if that were, if there weren't enough collaboration for that to take place but I think that's going to take quite some time but um, I think what we really need right now is that framework and uh, working on that information right now I, I hope I hope an ESG approach is more successful than GDPR because <laughs> I do think that we're seeing the segmentation now, aren't we? The fracturing yep. of, of some basic principles yeah. on GDPR. We really are. Making global business very difficult. Yeah, it is. And you kind of hit it when you when you talked about checking boxes. And, and that's what's happened to a lot of organizations. And, and, and you know, the, my response is to do this, do this because it's the right thing to do because over time it helps your organization actually become more sustainable and more profitable. Yeah. I can remember the quality movement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And ISO 9000 arrived and the boards of directors embraced it. Companies embraced it. The whole concept though behind ISO 9000 was continuous improvement, Mm -hmm. but it soon got stuck where mm. people would say, well, we've actually got signed off for ISO right. 9000. We're right. not going to change anything because mm. we might lose our accreditation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's stick w- with what we got. Is there a danger that ESG is going to be something that once an organization's got an ESG model process or mm-hmm. documentation in place, the concept of continuing improvement gets mm-hmm. put on the back burner? Mm-hmm. And so people slavishly follow the the mm. method they have tick the boxes say they're compliant mm-hmm. 
the audit committee comes along and says, yeah, you're all compliant, tick in the box, yeah. everything's <laughs> going all very well, yeah. and you lose the value of it. Right. Is that a fear? Or? I, it's, it, is it possible? Yes. The desire here is to have ESG into the fabric of an organization and, and, and become business as usual. And I think a lot of the things we saw, especially with the you know the continuous improvement, um, and and a lot of the things we saw kind of fizzle away. Um, they they organizations failed to monitor their performance indicators, uh, and 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 what they will do is is have these specific goals and objectives. Hey, quality is number one. Well, then that falls off the uh, off the priority list when digital transformation shows up or some new compliance requirement shows up. So a point you made, Richard, I, th- I think is really key to ESG. You talk about ticking boxes. And, and if an organization just wants to check boxes, right, and they can be compliant, that's one thing. But to to be to be performing in an organization and to be kind of considered a good steward of the environment, uh, to be have good social responsibility, I think needs to be ingrained into that organization. So uh, could it happen? Yes. Um, I do have some ideas and thoughts on uh, on how we might be able to help that through, of course, go- the goals cascade and organizations, you know, really identifying these as, as corporate values. And I think that will help a lot. So you mentioned the goals cascade. The goals, goals cascade is part of the, the ISACA portfolio, isn't it, that within a number of the ISACA products, mm-hmm. there's this goals cascade that comes down through the organization, depending on where you are. So do you see ESG policies and approaches fitting into existing governance frameworks, or do you think we're going to see the rise of the ESG framework that is the best framework since the last (laughs) best framework we had? So, so I always have this joke about framework overload and and, and right. And and I know APMG has been very deep in, in the, in the certifications and, and, and the training of these, but, um, I don't think we need a framework that answers every single question for just ESG. Um, my personal belief and my my professional opinion is we need to have something that really augments current um, current governance structures. T- take for example uh, ISO twenty seven thousand. One of the latest uh, documents out there from uh, guidance from uh, from International Standards Organization. You look at the basic concepts of, of ISO twenty seven thousand, um, and 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 there are parts of this standard that are easy can easily adopt your ESG efforts, mm. um, and, and and so I think that's kind of an important piece there. Uh, but when you when you when you think about uh, frameworks and those kinds of things, again, we as soon as we see a framework, we want to be checkbox compliant, and 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 it's really difficult. But but I will say that you know having training is very important when it comes to not just frameworks, but any type of um, architectural reference or those kinds of things to that. So, yeah, we're going to see how this rolls out right now, today, um, that I'm aware of. There is no single framework that exists or, uh, for, for, for ESG. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of small pockets of, of guidance from, uh, from consulting firms and, 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 and major uh, software service providers, but we're not seeing one that really focuses um, on kind of an overall holistic view. One of the challenges we're running into right now is when 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 you asked earlier about how do we ma- how do we make this you know front and center in front of organizations. Well, we're, what we're starting to see is the investment community is doing that for us, um, and the investment community is saying, "Hey, well, we're only going to give you advice on investing in an ESG friendly company." So there's some criteria that are used to do that. Um, but what's challenging for organizations is um, I want to know what I need to do 
to, to truly do the right thing when it comes to my environmental and social governance, not because I want to make sure my stock price goes up. Now, is that great? That's a reason that an organization exists. But, but I do want to make sure that, that we're doing this from a sustainability perspective. But do you think there's going to be um, one of these requirements on my suppliers? So are all suppliers going to have to demonstrate that they have an ESG policy or approach internally? Mm -hmm. Or are they going to have to demonstrate that they comply with the requirements of the hosting organization? So if you take you know, some of the huge US companies, you know, so if you take someone like Boeing, is a supplier to Boeing going to have to comply with what Boeing think mm -hmm. is an ESG policy? Mm -hmm. Or are they going to be able to demonstrate that within their own right. ecosystem, in their own part of the business, they are applying the principles of ESG and they have their own policy because if everybody has to <laughs> if everyone has to align with the top dog, yep. they're going to have to align with so many organizations. Exactly. It's going to be bureaucracy and box ticking gone mad. Exactly. What's your how do you think this could evolve? So it's user-friendly, mm -hmm. relevant, mm -hmm. and in particular, supplier-friendly. Mm -hmm. So so I, I think it's a good point that we need to look at the complete supply chain. When we look at it from an organizational perspective, I think about risk. And, and you know, the question I will ask a lot of organizations is, uh, are you okay um, when, when you make the front page of the newspaper because one of your suppliers' suppliers is using extremely illegal and unethical practices in another country. Are you prepared to be on the newspaper for that? Um, it, it, of course, the answer is no. We can't, we can't control that depth of the supply chain. Um, and that's why I think having a broad amount of information for organizations to say, look, we're not focusing just on check the box. But what we're focusing on is doing the right thing and, and looking at your environmental and social aspects. And, and just by having that program in place, by and large, you will be quote unquote, I'm compliant. Now, there's no such thing as compliance right now to ESG globally, um, but, but I certainly wouldn't be surprised if that happened at some point. So if you take that compliance argument, I mean, we've had some cases over here where some of the big audit companies mm -hmm. have signed off audits on companies and the company's then gone bust. Mm -hmm. And it's gone bust in a fairly short period of time. So there's currently an issue with how much a company's prepared to spend on audit mm -hmm. and for auditors to actually go and do the job. Mm -hmm. So if we're looking at ESG and we're looking at ESG through supply chains, mm -hmm. do you think it's possible to have some checks and balances in that? Or do you think it's going to be a matter of trust through the supply chain? Where do you stand yeah. on, on, on you know, <laughs> what was what was the famous phrase from one of your presidents? Trust, but verify. Trust, but verify. Yeah, I, I think it's a little bit of both. And there's a reason why, right? There's a reason why we have speeding laws. There's a reason why we have different rules and regulations. Uh, and, 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 and I think when we're looking at audit, what we're trying to do is I want to make sure that I understand my posture when it comes to external requirements and regulations. Uh, from an internal audit perspective, I do want to make sure, though, that I have the proper controls in place to help me meet my goals and objectives. And I think that's the key piece here is kind of linking back to that goals cascade. When you look at how you integrate ESG and, and really try to balance this performance and conformance between these two pieces, you know, I think there are a couple of key things we need to think of first. Number one is what is your strategy? Right? What type of organization are you? Um, th there could be different ESG posture for a bicycle manufacturer than there might be for an international banking system, Right, different supply chains altogether. So I think look at your strategy and the type of organization, and of course, your goals cascade. What are your goals? Because if you have an, you know, your organizational vision statement and identify goals and objectives, there should be some reference to your position 
on environmental and social mm. governance. And, and, I, and I truly believe that. So you might recall the balanced scorecard, oh. right? And, and I link this back to that goals cascade. Think about the balanced scorecard. Been around for three, four decades now. And the whole idea was this, is that we're balancing the way we organize our goals, objectives, and our metrics and measures. And we're doing that financially. We're doing that from a customer perspective, internal and innovation. Why can't there be another portion of a balanced scorecard that is our ESG posture? Because because I do know, having worked in a lot of organizations, when we build our goals for, say, your goals, right? Your goals should be aligned with your higher organization's goals, and, and the organizations that work for you should be aligned with that. Maybe there's another dimension of the balanced scorecard. It sounds It sounds crazy, but that would help us integrate this thinking from top to bottom. And therefore, when we look from a cultural perspective, is 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 there may be a record recognition and a reward system in place for this? Not that we pay somebody a bonus check because they're environmentally friendly, but but a recognition system so that we know, um, as an individual and organization, I'm making the decisions that one meet my personal ethics, but number two, kind of beat the code of conduct of the enterprise. It's interesting you say that because it also brings me on to to my final question, which is about. Organizations today are going leaner. They're trying to be more resilient. We've got the whole debate going on about remote team working and whether people need to come back to the office mm-hmm. or where they work from home. So with those trends in the workplace and with ESG coming over the hill, moving right. from the investment community to the operational community, if you like, how do you see those things working? Do you see ESG is, is part of that theme of, and resilience mm. uh, of um, lean and appropriate working, mm. or do you see it as something being contrary to that? Mm-hmm. Well, with with a lean organization, not necessarily lean organization to me doesn't mean it's a small to me, mm. to enterprise, but lean means you know we can make a left hand turn fast. Um, but I will also say that in lean organizations we are generally cost concerned, and and and, and adopting an ESG program is not zero. Right. It, 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 there, there are money, there's resources available in that. And I think the challenges for lean organizations is what is the business case for us? There's no legal or compliance requirement for, for my size of organization to do this. We see this with things like privacy and so on. Hey, we don't have the transaction volume. So we're no long, we're not, um, we're not under the, the jurisdiction of say GDPR. So I think that's going to be a challenge for a lot of organizations. So it comes down to, I believe two things is, 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 is training and awareness on on why ESG is 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 the right thing, and I'm not being an activist saying this. I'm saying it it, it is a good thing. You know, the the ESG movement isn't saying, oh well, humans are the cause of everything, right? It's saying how are we going to make things better in the future for the environment, and, and how do we have more diversity, equity, inclusion? So back to the point of, of small to mean uh, more uh, lean types of organizations. I think it's training and awareness because over time. Over time, and there aren't a lot of studies out on this now, but the studies that I've seen show over time, the organization can be more profitable, can be more efficient, um, can have better retention and customer satisfaction. And as as a lean organization, the voice of the customer is what I'm focusing on. So I think that is a big thing. And of course, the culture side. In a lean organization, it's relatively flat. Communication moves very, very quickly. So tone at the top is going to be huge for those organizations. Mark, fascinating to talk to you. I'm I'm sure we could actually talk for hours on this subject. Many thanks for finding the time to fit in this podcast during your very busy schedule. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks, Richard. Thank you for listening. 
We're always keen to hear your feedback and suggestions for future episodes. You can find all the information in the show notes below. Please visit apmg-international.com to find out more about our accredited training and the certifications that support them that are related to the topics discussed in this series. I hope you've enjoyed today and I look forward to you joining future episodes while we continue our exploration into best practice and the benefits it brings to global business. Thank you.